0: Hello, welcome to the Fish Nerds Podcast. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd. And this is another special edition, a little break from our normal format of segmented show. Because last week, I spent five days at the Virginia Aquarium, collecting all kinds of storios and audio. And I was there for their Sensible Seafood Program. So I'm going to take you through my week at the uh, aquarium. It's crazy how much stuff I got to do, but they flew me down, put me up, and uh, took really great care of a uh, little old fish nerd like me, and I'm super happy to have been part of the Sensible Seafood Program, and uh, yeah, I'm going to take you right through the week and share all these great stories with you. Okay, so airplane landed, I'm going to take you right to the beginning here, the airplane landed. Uh, Leslie met me uh, at the airport. They brought me back to the aquarium. I bumped into my old friend Karen Burns, who last year was on the show. She's the director of the Sensible Seafood Program. Last year, we talked to her a lot about this program, and that's probably how I got invited back to the show. But uh, we had big plans. I mean, they had an agenda for me. So right away, it was off to lunch with with uh, Leslie and with Karen and with April, um, a friend of ours, at the Abbey Road restaurant where we ate some sensible seafood. I had crab cakes. Leslie had she crab soup. No, Karen had she crab I forget who had what. But anyway, we had all kinds of great food. And then we had to head off straight from there to the local Whole Foods in Virginia Beach to talk with people there about sensible seafood. And I got a chance to chat with Fishmonger dan now dan works at the uh at the whole foods and uh man that guy knew fish and he was fabulous so first he started off by telling us what was in season and what is local and what we should be eating right now
1: hello my name is dan i'm the associate team leader at whole foods market in the seafood department and today we're checking out some of the stuff that we have to offer at whole foods market so it's starting to be the time of year where we get a lot of locally sourced seafood. Year-round we're getting rockfish from um, the usually from the Chesapeake Bay as far as the Choptank River entrance as far south of the Pamlico and Albemarle sounds of North Carolina. But we'll be starting to get a lot of other fish locally soon as well. Bluefish, mackerel, speckled trout. The hot fish at our store honestly in Virginia Beach in this area is rockfish. Always rockfish. Year-round we have rockfish available here, and it's sourced locally. Usually we get it from Norfolk through Georgia's seafood, but we can get it from many places, um, the all the way, way as far as New Jersey, really. A
0: lot of rockfish up our way. Exactly. They are caught hook uh, and Is that
1: how they're that's, That here? is exactly how they're caught here, too. We don't allow any pound net fi- caught fish to be sold at Whole Foods. That's a lot of the problem with why we can't carry the local flounders, that they're usually caught with pound nets, and we that's considered red rated through the Safina Center. Um, or the Blue Ocean Institute, as they used to be known as.
0: Yeah, sure, and, and you have with that too, is a lot of because Exactly,
1: of turtles, anything that. that swims by is going to get caught in those nets because they're just stationary. and They don't really have a whole lot of um, accuracy in what they're trying to pick out. They just clear out everything, and that's, that's considered unsustainable and red-rated through Whole Foods or with Whole Foods. Right,
0: which if Whole Foods, that's your whole philosophy, you want to make Everything has, has got to be world sustainable world. without, exactly. Yeah. So um, I, was, I asked you earlier, if you're here, I come up the streets, I'm looking at a whole fish, how do I know if that fish is, is, is fresh, how, how do I
1: pick it? The number one indicator really is the eyes. I mean, same with humans, when you look at their health, there's a lot of it's through their eyes, but if they have clear eyes that are not sunken into the head and then really red gills that still tend to separate naturally, they've not started to kind of goop together, but they still, when you open that fish's gills, they spread apart and are still bright red, that means they're still pretty fresh. But the eyes is the number one indicator. As Clear, her, bright her, her eyes. Our
0: customer came in and said, hey, pick up that fish, show me inside skills, all that you're happy
1: to. Yeah, we we absolutely that. We have a lot of customers. We have we we have a lot of customers who know seafood very well. I mean, we're at the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay and the Atlantic Ocean. It's a it's one of the most diverse fishing areas really in the country, but some would argue in the world. You have freshwater and saltwater species combined. You have the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, which is really a mecca for a lot of saltwater species, oh, drum fish.
0: It's a big habit, Sorry? Oh, it's a giant
1: 17 mile bridge tunnel combo. It's a it's quite an impressive structure. And a lot of fish really as they're coming in and out of the bay, they kind of stage themselves at the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel as they're coming in and out for a couple days for the weather to pass, whatever. So it is a very diverse area for many types of seafood down here. So the customers know what to look for.
0: So Dan knew so much about fish and fishing and everything. I talked to him for forever. But you know what you got is what you got. Uh, but really, it was refreshing to be in a large chain supermarket that really understood sustainable fish and fishing. Our local markets up here in New Hampshire all have big, you know, sustainable seafood claims on their stuff. But talking to the uh, the fish guys in their market, in our markets, they don't seem to know what, as much stuff as Dan. So, I went to the Whole Foods website and I pulled off their philosophy on sustainable seafood, so you would have an understanding of what they uh, what they consider sustainable. And one thing I found throughout this whole week is that is defining sustainable sustainable seafood is more challenging than you might think. So this is from the Whole Foods website, Fresh or Frozen. We have traceability from fishery to store. And we only sell wild-caught seafood from fisheries that are certified sustainable by the Marine Stewardship Council or rated either green or yellow by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch uh, and the Safina Center. We don't sell any of the red-weighted seafood you might find at other grocery stores. So I'm totally impressed with the way Whole Foods deals with their seafood. Uh, I wish all markets would be as responsible. Uh, Nice work, you guys. Special thanks to dan for his time and for elizabeth the manager for allowing us to chat with dan in the store uh just a just a funny little sidebar there i was trying to set the uh, the fishners displays up and one of them has a giant foot you know with fish eating the uh Fish eating the, the skin off someone's foot and, uh, and they didn't want that set up in the food section for obvious reasons. But at the time I was opening, I didn't realize that was the one I was opening first and I would have skipped it on my own anyway. But we had a really great time and I'm super impressed with Whole Foods. I've actually never shopped in one before because there's none in my area. So nice job Whole Foods and, uh, and keep it up and keep people like Dan around. We need nerds like him who know fish and can help people make good sustainable choices. Now, for the rest of the show, in between segments, I'm going to be doing two things. I'm going to be playing people defining on their own what sustainable seafood means. So you're going to hear what average people define it as. I just bumped into people in the aquarium, at Whole Foods, and on the streets, and I just asked them, what does sustainable seafood mean? Uh, And I also did a a meet-and-greet session with the with the aquarium where we played eel of fortune so i'll be playing little segments of both those in between segments on the rest of the show uh but listen closely to people's definition of sustainable and you will find that uh, the aquarium is doing the right thing by trying to educate people on what that means but first let me give you the aquarium's definition of sustainable seafood right so they have what's called the sensible seafood program uh and what they want you to do is look at this as a resource for deciding what foods should you be eating, what fish should you be eating, and which fish shouldn't you eat. So the first thing they want you to look at is, what is a seafood source? Is the seafood from local sources from other parts of the U.S. or imported? This is important because, like many other commodities, seafood can now be transported all over the globe. Seafood from local sources has potential to be fresher and reduces the financial and environmental cost of long-distance transport. Additionally, U.S. fisheries are better managed than most foreign fisheries. These factors are important when considering where a seafood item might originate. You also want to ask, how is the species population doing? This seems obvious, but in order to know if a seafood we are consuming is a good choice, we need to know about the life history of the species and its population. Is it abundant? Is it disappearing? Some species easily reproduce in large numbers and grow to maturity very fast. Others, such as sharks, reproduce and mature very slowly. Understanding these factors is critical for good fisheries management. Is it wild, caught, or farm-raised? To meet increased world demand for seafood, many species are now raised on farms. A process called aquaculture. In some cases, the wild stock of a species may be be depleted. But there is a sensible supply from aquaculture, like Virginia oysters and catfish. In other cases, the farm stock has been associated with problems, and wild-caught stock is the better choice, like some imported shrimp. How is seafood harvested? Are the fishing or aquaculture practices environmentally sound? To answer this question, we must understand fisheries and aquaculture techniques and how they are applied for harvesting different seafood species. Some fishing techniques, like bottom trawling or dredging, have the potential to damage the ocean bottom. Others may have unintended catches of fish, crabs, or other unwanted animals, that's called bycatch. <laughs> and can even include accidental drowning of sea turtles and marine mammals mammals. Finally, poorly managed aquaculture operations can damage coastal ecosystems. When well managed fisheries and aquaculture that utilize sound techniques to minimize bycatch and ecosystems impacts provide the best seafood choices. Now there's a lot going on here. So that's why it's important to have resources like the Virginia Aquarium. They have a seafood guide that you can carry in your pocket. You guys go to Monterey Aquarium's website, Monterey Bay uh, Aquarium website, and you can get their, their seafood list there. And what I've been encouraging people to do is just start asking your server at restaurants, where was this fish caught? And usually that's enough to know if you should eat it or not. If they can't tell you where the fish is from, maybe you don't want to eat it. Aileen, where are you from? You're from Mexico? Fantastic. Um, What does sustainable fish mean to you? That's a tough one. Sustainable fish. I don't know either. But that's okay. You can have a sticker anyway. Thank you. Sustainable fish. Tough question today. You can ask, I can tell you if you want. Tell you what? (laughs) Tell you what sustainable fish means? Uh, Well, that's a very good question. I think sustainable fish are fish that you eat that are plentiful, meaning there's a whole bunch of them. They're local, which means they're caught near where you live. And they're in season, which means you can catch them tomorrow and eat them tomorrow. So I think to me, that's what it means to me. But everyone has a different thing on what that means. That's why I was asking you. I really cared about what you, what part of Mexico are you from? So your name? and where you from and i want you to tell me what does sustainable seafood mean to you um,
2: my name is nick wehrman from
1: kingston massachusetts sustainable seafood um, i guess means keep the environment clean make sure that what fish ingest is safe for us because we're going to ingest it on the second hand so making sure it's safe like that
0: cool and have you enjoyed the aquarium today? Yeah,
1: very okay. much so.
0: Pretty uh, great, isn't yeah.
1: it? Yeah. But, uh, go to the Boston Aquarium a lot, so it's nice to see the difference. I feel like this aquarium is a little more educational, shows you a little bit more nitty-gritty.
0: Come on up. Yeah. What is your name? Rachel. Rachel. Okay. <laughs> we are, I am I am recording this for the podcast, so I need to hear words. All right. Eel of Fortune. Give me a spin.
3: All right. I do feel real
0: Ooh, collections of creatures! You have to get two of these three right to win. Oh, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to read you either name of a group of animals. For example, like if you were talking about cattle, you say herd, and you're okay—that's cattle herd of cattle. Um, so I'll, I'll read you the name, and you tell me what kind of animal, or I'll read you the animal, and you tell me what they call that group of in, grouping is. You weren't here I'm when I gave away all the answers so. earlier, right? Yeah. So it was perfect. Murder. Oh, you got crows, right? All right, I'm going to start easy. Okay. okay. How about a fever? Um, a race. Perfect. Good. How about a? How about an army? And by the way, these are all ocean or close to water related. So they're all going to be ocean or close to water. This one particular one is actually a bait fish. If you need a hint.
2: Tuna.
0: No, tuna would be a game fish, right? Bait fish would be what tuna eat. Oh, bait a
3: big
0: fish. no, no, no. no. Bait oh, is bait what tuna might eat. Uh, you're warm. Should we uh, keep a little guest until she get it? Yes. What? Herring. Herring. All right. Yeah. So you've got you've got two, right? If i get the third one, then I get well, it. Well you already won. So, right. so how about a um, how about a lap? A lap. a lap? a lap. A lap. This is one I didn't give away earlier. Okay,
3: so this is all ocean. Ocean. This is a fish. See, I feel like none of these actually make sense to what the animal is. So mm-hmm. it's always really hard Sometimes they them. do. Except yeah. for the
0: bear. Yeah. yeah. Don't give it away, you <laughs> might get a chance. How about, okay, a lap. This is a, a fish that there's a moratorium on catching right now uh, in most of the East Coast. And, and is, the, is the, um, the fish that helped shape American culture, one of the most important fish in our culture? Shad. shad is one, by the way. Shad is a, a great fish we're talking about called the Founding Fish, and Shad yeah. is an important fish in our culture, but one more that's a little more noticeable. The people know its name. It's, it's probably the most common food fish ever in our country, once we sailed. And it rhymes with odd. Oh. oh, hey, you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get it. You Yay, get, it took a lot. You then. get a subscription to the Fish Nerds podcast. Yay. <laughs> okay, after we finished up at the Whole Foods, after we were done, we went across the street to Wasserhund Brewery. That's W A S S E R. H-U-N-D Brewing.com for great beer and trivia. We nearly won at Trivia too. I'm just going to say, we didn't mean to play Trivia, but we ended up playing it. And we were just about to win when uh, the answer was Traveling willberries, which I said. But it was so loud in there. Karen heard me say Traveling Mulberries, and we lost everything all because of Karen. Anyway, Um, But anyway, great, great little brewery. Uh, Really, really good food. I highly recommend that you get the Bratwurst while you're there. It's going to make you want to stay for two hours. So go there, order beer, get the Bratwurst, tell them that the Fish nerds sent you, uh, and have a great time. But really, delicious beer, nice place, uh, and they're super good to us, which I always, always like. And go there on Mondays for trivia because it is awesome. And then from there, they brought me home. I was exhausted home to my hotel room, my home for the week. I got to stay at the Oceanfront Inn in Virginia Beach. They were kind enough to put me up for the week, treat me super, super great, comfortable bed, nice people working there. Uh, And again, took great care of me. Um, So I, I highly recommend you check those guys out when you're at Virginia Beach. But man, I was so tired. I went right to sleep. I was right in bed. And first thing First thing the next morning, I get a text from Leslie, it's time to go to work. And work means I get to go to the aquarium, which is so much fun. If again, if you haven't been to the Virginia Beach, to Virginia Beach, get there, get to the Virginia Aquarium Marine Science Center, and, and have a great time. So we headed directly to the aquarium, and this is where where I got a really, really amazing uh behind the scenes uh tour. But even bigger than that, I got to go behind the scenes, behind the seals, behind the scenes with the seals. Now I wasn't allowed to record or take very many photos back here, uh, but I I was super impressed. I want to thank. Um, the seals and the seal workers, I don't know if they call them trainers or not, but they sure were trained. Um, it was so much fun. Uh, Sarah and Betty, thank you so much for showing me the seals. The seals did a cool painting for my kids. I got to pet a seal, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this, I cried uh, when I touched the seals. It's like one of those like childhood dreams, like, I got to touch a seal. So I got to touch seal. I'm just telling you, awesome sauce. Uh, from there, you know, I did a lot of aquarium-y stuff. And then um, I had a lot of questions about conservation and stuff. And they recommended that I head upstairs to the executive offices. So I got to go up the fancy secret secret, hidden elevator and talk to Mark Swingle. Mark Swingle is the director of conservation at the Virginia Aquarium. And this guy knows stuff. Uh, So I sat down with him for a little bit and chatted with him about conservation. All
2: right. My name is Mark Swingle. I'm the director of research and conservation here at the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center.
0: And you're popular.
2: Well, um, we have a division here called Research and Conservation, and so we actually have researchers that work here at the aquarium, and um, and we're involved in a lot of different projects that relate directly to conservation of wild animals and wild places. So um, this is, uh, I, I, I'm, pre- I'm prejudiced, of course, but I think it's one of the more exciting parts of the aquarium because we get to go out and work with, animals in the wild, and and uh, we do research on really cool species like sea turtles and marine mammals like whales and dolphins, and and uh, we encounter a lot of unusual fish when we're doing that too, so it's really, really pretty exciting.
0: What's the big thing happening right now in your research? What's the one kind of driving thing right now that you guys are loving?
2: Yeah, I guess um, uh, because we do a lot of research on sea turtles and marine mammals, um, we, we do... Um, we're really interested in of course the impacts to those animals those are both both of those groups of animals are sometimes they're endangered species sometimes they're threatened species but they are they're all of them have had issues at one time or another in terms of their populations so uh, studying them and trying to figure out what's impacting them and what's affecting them is a big deal We've had a lot of whale strandings this year, which right here in Virginia, we've had we've had we're up to seven large whale strandings and our record for an entire year was six, and we we're already above that. This year. This year, we're already beyond it now, and uh, so that's been concerning. Uh, these whales get hit by ships, believe it or not. It's you know still not everybody quite understands why a whale and a ship can't get out of the way of each other, but um, it's it's a problem out there, and uh, we're trying to study it and figure out why.
0: So that's, I never even hear about that. That's that's amazing. It's, uh,
2: it's the leading cause of of. Uh, of Anthropogenic cause for of death for large whales is ship strike. In, entanglement in fishing gear is kind of the second one. Uh, you know, mostly commercial fishing gear. Surprisingly, it's the um, it's the passive gear. It's the gear that's set out there. It's uh, and they get mostly entangled in vertical lines. So, um, you're from the northeast, so you know you you you. you there are out there. Sometimes it's just a maze as far as you can vertical lines are a big problem with uh, for, for whales that get into areas like that and that and that feed in areas like that. So those are those are ongoing issues that we deal with, but they're pretty exciting. We've we've had our successes here. We've you know we've um, we worked with some local fishermen that that were that run a particular kind of fishing gear called a pound net and we worked with some fishermen and we developed some alternative gear for their net and uh, that gear um, has almost completely eliminated dolphin entanglements that used to happen. It's kind of probably hard to explain just without pictures, but a pound net is like a trap gear, so it has a big, long leader net in front of it, and the only purpose of that net was to turn fish. It was a barrier in the water. The fish would see it or or sense it and turn toward deeper water and swim into the trap, and and then they'd be harvested out of the trap. So the the animals were get the sea turtles and dolphins were getting entangled in the leader, mm-hmm. and um, so we worked with a fisherman, and what we came up with was a leader that didn't have actual netting in it, or at least wasn't all netting. The bottom is still traditional netting, but the upper two thirds of it now are these stringers that are about two feet two and a half feet apart, and it turns out that those stringers are equally effective at turning the, the fish that they're trying to sense it. And uh, and it turns them and they go into the trap and it's genius and uh, well and the fisherman came up with that idea it wasn't us you know he he this guy came up with it and thought we should try it and we tried it and now it's that's the gear that's used in in most of the nets out here and it and there's very few entanglements in there anymore.
0: Well, that's what's well, a huge success. It's a big a big success. win. So big I mean, win both both ways, you know. Right, and that's kind of the thing. There's a lot of people, you know, they they see fishermen and conservationists as two different entities, but really fishermen benefit from conservation and. And they're on the water every day, so scientists can benefit from their knowledge. So it it should be a good team. You
2: know, the the idea behind this was generated by a fisherman, and then we tested the idea to make sure that it would work. And really, most of the testing was around whether it would catch fish equally well. Um, So it's those are the kind of things that are really important. And yeah, it's you're absolutely right. I mean. The way we really get things done is if we work together i mean that's that's the way to get things that's the best way to get things.
0: we all should be doing we that you know be that, yeah. we've been talking a lot about diversity uh, yeah. well, since our visit here with sensible seafood week and all yeah. that and yeah. and it's one of those things where like you know no matter what we're doing if we can diversify our approach which means working together it's going to win and it, you can just take that message Works every time. everywhere yeah so <laughs> it's really really great so on our show the last few weeks, we've had um, listeners talking a lot about um, harbor seals in New England. Okay. And we've had, they've been, it's a conservation win right now. The population of harbor seals is at a record high right now. And, but but our cod stocks are not coming back, mostly because of overfishing historically. It's been years and years and years of beating these fish up. Yep. So one of our callers called in um, and he asked, Up down the Cape in Cape and Cape Cod, people are saying the cod aren't coming back because the seal population is too high. We need to start culling that population. He called in, he says, What do you guys think about this? And last week we reported that only about twenty percent of the diet of harbor seals is cod, and the rest is everything else. But um, I thought since now we're here, I got the seal experience this morning, maybe we can Digging a little bit deeper on that, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, we're probably not. You're probably going to get the best seal experts in your neck of the woods up there, mm-hmm. but just because we we while we have seals here, and of course we have some here in an exhibit, um, we're on the we're on the real fringes of seal populations. They're more so north. We're, yeah, they're much more north, and uh, we but yet yeah, we do have seals here now, and in fact we have um, you know it used to be the isolated seal we'd see every now and then. Now we have populations of seals. You can go out on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel that crosses the mouth of the bay and those rock islands that anchor each end of the tunnel. And there's one of those islands out there that in the wintertime you can go out there pretty much any day and you'll see a pretty healthy group of harbor seals hauled out on those rocks out there. They look fat and happy and and you never saw that twenty years ago. So this is this is a the, the populations of seals are doing very well.
0: They're doing really well, which is a huge conservation win and i've always kind of like historically if you look at like how fishermen look at wildlife if you look at what happened to ospreys fishermen assumed ospreys were taking all the fish and it became a hunt on the ospreys and the yeah. bald eagles and so i always wonder like you know in the in the wild the fish are going to find their balance with the wildlife with everything else
2: i think we yeah and and it, i think we also we tend i don't know it's a human thing i think that we always try to find a scapegoat you know there's there's well, always a there's always a um they always want to point at some issue, some animal, some issue that's causing the problem. Uh, you know, we, we we don't like to think that we're the cause of the problem, but often it is. And, you know, well, I've had that conversation around here with, with folks with striped bass and blue crabs and cow rays and things like that. And they want to know why, um, you know, they they blame that the fact that um, at one point it was the fact that the stripers weren't coming back because of the because of menhaden fishing which is a huge issue you know here locally in the bay and or and or the crab populations were in trouble and maybe that was because there were too many countos raised and things like that and one of the things i like to remind all of them is that you know when we look historically at when we when we try to if we have the information we try to base whether or not populations are healthy versus some pastime when we deemed them to be healthy and uh and guess what? There was a time when not only were there plenty of this species, but there was also plenty of that species. So the idea that one can't be healthy and plentiful without the other one is not very sound historically. And they kind of need each other. They do,
0: you know. And then we're seeing, in, in New England, we're seeing the great white population on the rise because the seal population is Seals. up. Now the seal population can only come up if there's enough food for them. So it all kind of goes down the food chain, and the, and the people who are worried about it are the people who can't diversify their diets. And I think that comes back to the message of Seafood Week here is yep. maybe we need to eat less cod. You know, maybe we need to eat the bait, eat the mackerel, eat the herring, Absolutely. eat the yeah. the dogfish, whatever we, we need can to be get.
2: Adaptable. Exactly. Adaptable. <laughs> I mean, we really do. I mean, these these believe me, these animals are adapting all the time because they have to. And um, man, we we really do too. I mean, you know, we we. We don't look at it in crisis mode or anything like that, but we have to be adaptable. I mean, we're we're I mean, we're eating things today we weren't eating 50 years ago. So I mean, there's, there's things are going to change like
0: that. Yeah, and it's, and it's it's trendier now too. Where see, I'm seeing you know, it was like five years ago, everyone was talking about organic, eat organic, eat organic, and now I'm hearing, hearing eat local, eat what's in season, eat what's plentiful, and and yeah, you're true. hearing the organic word being thrown around less and less because the marketing's overdone it, and now it's. All about sustainability, and then it, there's this week is Sensible Seafood Week here, which I'm excited about. I'm, I'm so excited for Thursday. I can't tell it's you. A, it's a great. Are you going to the event? Great, oh yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a great event, and it's a great week. We, you know, we've now stretched it into a, a week of events and things associated with it, and getting the message out there. And it's a wonderful event. Really exciting. It's become a sort of a real go-to social event for the area as well too because you see your friends there and you're there for a good reason and you get good information and and it's the opportunity to talk about the things that you know i'm sure you have the same thing you you work with these things every day and and i work with fish and, and sustainability and conservation every day but my neighbors don't you know and to have the to so to have a a setting like that to be able to have those conversations is really pretty
0: important. and it has to happen i spent some time doing some visitor interaction today in the aquarium and i was asking kids and parents what does sustainability mean to you what sustainable seafood mean and about 50 percent didn't quite know the word sustainable and it's not because anything's wrong with them it's because it's not their world that's right and that's kind of so they're here and now they're learning it and they're picking it up and Feeding each other, we'll uh, we'll do that, building that community, which is really great. And this is a big fundraiser for the aquarium.
2: It's a well, and it's a fundraiser, and it's a fundraiser to support our sensible seafood program. So it's you know it's really a win-win, really. It, it, um, our program, of course, you know, this is our big sort of signature event of the year. But gosh, the program really, and and the, the success of the program has been its outreach into the community, to the restaurants, to the retailers that are that are selling seafood. Um, and, and now I'm sure um, Leslie probably told you about this new, this new local Virginia Seafood Guide project that we're working on, which we're really excited about. So that's really how you get the, the word out there. I mean, the event is great, and it's a wonderful event, and we get to touch and reach a lot of people that evening. But really, the work goes on year-round. It's a year-round effort for us.
0: Yeah, and i visited. I've eaten at uh, Catch 31, and I've seen your logo on their menus. I've eaten at Crocs seen it there I've eaten at Murphy's I've seen it there I've eaten at um, uh, Abbey Road I've seen it there so like it's it's all over Virginia Beach the the local yeah. restaurants are supporting it which is I think that's going to drive these kind of things having that local support of a program so congratulations It's totally fun and thanks
2: it's been fun. it's, it's, uh, um, it's one of those programs that uh, that um, it's meaningful I mean it's definitely something that we believe in as part of it really fits into our conservation mission. Um, and sustainability mission, but uh, um, but it's also a fun thing, you know, it's the kind of thing that, and I think this Sensible Seafood Fest embodies that, the, the sort of fun spirit of it as well, because it's sort of like what, what you were talking about, where, you know, eating sort of things that we maybe didn't think about eating isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's actually a really exciting thing, and People get exposed to those kind
0: of things here at the Sensible Seafood Fest. Well, I think I, I was, a friend of mine, used the phrase: "I have a box in my brain that says food, and a box that says not food." And to get one to move from the not food box into the food box is a really big challenge. But I think once you start moving them, the box falls apart, and you start looking at everything as food. Then you I mean, start thinking, yeah, yeah, what else
2: is out there? That what I else?
0: Try, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've in New Hampshire. I've eaten with my daughter. I've eaten giant water bugs that we've caught. You know, and my daughter's to them, she's my daughter almost I was 10, she thinks nothing of eating something weird. Like, to her, that's what we do, which is really fun, which is counterculture, almost. It's like the yeah. new punk rock is eating weird food, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> so okay. it's totally good. Absolutely. Well, that's totally great. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time. That's all I, that's all I need today. All right. Thank all right. you, Clay. Perfect. All right. So what's your name?
2: Alex.
0: And where are you from? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And what does sustainable seafood mean to you?
2: Seafood that you
3: can actually eat so it's not yeah.
0: venomous. Not venomous. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. We haven't had a lot of people who've said that about it, um, and everyone's had a different thought on what that means. I was just guessing. That's a good guess. It's a good guess, and I like the way you're thinking. Uh, what part of Pennsylvania are you from?
2: Chris. Uh, well-managed uh, fishery, you know, that they don't deplete the stocks and they let they take things responsibly so they still have time to, you know, regrow and come back. <laughs>
3: Mia Mia
0: and... And Lauren. Lauren.
3: And Lauren. And where are you from? Virginia. We're just like, we live here. I mean, I would prefer someone saying, like, that's really fresh, but I would be kind of, like, on the fence about that. About sustainable? Yeah.
0: What does sustainable mean to you? Well, we just had
1: a project on this.
2: Um, kind of like reusing, not reusing necessarily in the fish terms, but, uh... I don't know. It it can hold
3: a lot. There's a lot of them, I guess. And your dad?
4: I'm dad to
1: what Mia. What is your name? Mike.
0: Mike, and what sustainable seafood means to you?
1: <laughs> what you
4: eat, you can replace and keep going in perpetuity.
0: So is there a fish that you like to eat that you think is sustainable? <laughs> All of them. All
4: of them you like Salmon, to eat? Uh, striper.
0: Deal of Fortune! Oh, Paku of lies. Okay, I'm going to read you a a story from the news. This is a real story. And you decide, is that news accurate or is it a Paku of lies? See what I did there? (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) All right. Rough fish get no respect. As evidenced by the most recent control method proposed by Australia for invasive common carp herpes are being called upon to afflict the big minnow and reduce its numbers. Is that a real thing, or is it a pack of lies? You it's accurate. It is accurate. Yay! You get a sticker. All right, who wants to come spin the eel? Come on up. What is your name? Barb. Barb. All right, Barb's going to spin it. Eel of Fortune. Muppets! Are you a Jim Henson fan? No, I'm not. Good. Um, <laughs> you have to get two of the three questions right. I'm going to read you three choices. One of them is a real Muppet. The other two are fishing lures. Okay. Okay, so is it a fishing Probably lure? Like fishing lure or is it a Muppet? All right, so we have Gene um, LaRue, Rinky Dink, or Slim Wilson. Which one's a Muppet? Slim Wilson is a Muppet. You got it. <laughs> nice job. Oh, by the way, I did not know that one. Um, how about this one? How about Wolverine, Screaming Thing, or Sabeel? Wolverine, Screaming Thing, or Sabeel? Hmm. There's no hints. Just guess. No, uh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You're right. You get a prize. I'm not going to do three because I can save them for the next person. So yeah, you get a Fishner's decal and a free subscription to the Fishner Podcast. All right. After my, my conversation with Mark Swingle, we went out for lunch to a local uh, chain restaurant. And, and I'm not telling you the name of the restaurant on purpose uh, because I want to tell you a story about it and I don't want to embarrass anybody. But uh, we were eating lunch with... Bruce, who owns Sam Rust Seafood, um, and uh, he told us about his business. Sam Rust Seafood is really great. It's this local company to Virginia Beach that is been been family owned for generations. Uh, and Bruce told us all about that, and we talked a lot about you know sustainability and how his business runs in a way that hopefully works towards sustainability. and, and again, the reason I didn't tell you the name of, of the restaurant is is because even in a restaurant that works hard to be sustainable, there's going to be mistakes. And we constantly have to be educating each other about, about seafood. And this particular restaurant, try to imagine serving, you're serving seafood to people who work at the aquarium for the seafood program, a fish nerd who's recording a podcast live while you're there, and distributor of the food you're serving, and then getting it wrong. And they got the order a little bit mixed up that day. They just got the wrong fish in the wrong plates. But it's uh, kind of a comedy of errors. But it gives us something to talk about because we really need to constantly be educating each other and ourselves about what fish we're eating and having that conversation. I also learned to talk to the manager afterwards that if you're not happy with your meal, please tell somebody right away so they can fix it and get it all just right. The food was actually really, really good. We just got confused on what fish we were eating. Uh, So let's make sure we get it right next time. But uh, anyway, so, so uh, Bruce, owner of Sam Rust Seafood, great guy, and he invited me to go fishing, but we got rained out and didn't get to go.
4: Snapper. You get the tuna? I'll get
3: the tuna. Yeah. And then we get the
4: other one.
2: Snapper. But,
4: but I don't want you to eat a salmon you don't want. I like salmon. Okay. Get the salmon? I'll get the first. So. Snapper.
2: Snapper.
4: Grilled. Grilled. Yes. Oh,
0: there's choices there
4: too. Yes, yeah, so you can get Cajun or grilled. Let's see. Yeah. But
2: oh, do you want it Cajun
4: or grilled? Oh, grilled. I don't <laughs> want Cajun. To me, all them spices you ruin the fish. Yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. I want to taste the fish. It makes you drink too much of this. Uh, there you go. And then, before you know, you gotta order another that one. That's nasty.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you've done the herb, please. Okay. You've done the.
4: Well, I just asked for grilled snapper, so.
3: I'll do the grilled. Yellowfin
0: tuna. Good yellowfin tuna. Yellow yellow yeah, I hear salmon, salmon. Yeah, the same way with that. Yeah. The simple, uh, simple. Uh, uh,
4: yeah. My mother's father. So uh, I don't carry the last name. And Sam
0: Rust was your mother's father. father. She
4: was a Rust, and uh, he started Sam Rust Seafood in 1938 in Phoebus, Virginia. Back then it was Phoebus, Virginia. Now it's Hampton, Virginia. The town of Phoebus. Um, nicknamed Little Chicago, actually they had a lot of uh, illegal gamblings and things back in the so early time. Oh yeah, there's a great stories before my time, but uh, back back rooms at local bars, and uh, that's why I had a nickname Little Chicago. And supposedly some mafia guys would visit from New York and sure, stuff like they used
3: that. To do the, their <clears throat> rum runs up the coast. Like, yes. Beach was a stop.
4: So there, yeah. there's some. Uh, classified information about Little Chicago, but uh, my grandfather was a peddler, and um, he... You don't would, mean
0: a bicyclist. Well,
4: actually, he, he did pedal a bike with a cart on the front basket. Is that why
0: they call them peddlers?
4: Uh, you know I what? I making
0: a making I'm like wondering, is that like a thing? If
4: we drilled down on that, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I don't know that answer, but uh,
0: that?
4: <laughs> he would go to the local docks and buy fish and then pedal it to local restaurants. And I bet, then I
0: that's the
4: thing. He probably is, but uh, he expanded, bought a truck, and um, when my mother grew up, um, they had a, um, a shack behind their house in Phoebus, and uh, I remember them speaking about a cherry tree. He would pack the fish under a cherry tree, and he had uh, old Coca-Cola coolers with slide tops, and that's where he stored his scallops and fish and things, because Hampton, um, Hampton is actually the hub on the East Coast, because you have southern seafoods coming out from Florida and you have northern seafoods coming from Canada and Boston. Hampton is a mid Atlantic hub. Naturally, we have fantastic seafood here in the mid Atlantic, but we also have great access to southern foods and northern foods. Well,
0: it's a good middle, almost like in the middle. Yes. On the, the Hoys Coast, you're kind of right there.
4: Right. And another family business here in Hampton is LD Amory, um, started about the same time, a little bit older than Sam Rust Seafood but my grandfather and Meet Amory's grandfather conducted business, and LD Amory has a trucking company that runs from Hampton to the Midwest. So this is seriously the hub. The the 18 wheelers will come out of the north and the south, meet in Hampton, and then Amory's and other companies truck it west from here.
0: So they work together, they didn't fight.
4: Uh, A little bit, but (laughs) we we work together and we fight, so that's just being fishmongers.
0: That's really fun. I, I, I should research where the word fishmonger
4: comes from. Do you know the history of the word fishmonger? I uh, do not. Okay. That me, but I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody here can Google it real fast. <laughs> yeah. We're going to find out.
0: Now I, got, I have resources to Get on it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really
4: fun. But um, there's another company um, in Seaford, Delaware, that actually runs to Los Angeles from here once a week. Mm-hmm. And they also come through Hampton and pick up the northern and southern and the mid-Atlantic seafoods and haul it all the way to Los Angeles, California. So to
0: get it. I'm trying to get this whole thing, so you're Sam Rust, Seafood, and you're a distributor.
4: Yes, wholesale distributor. Wholesale
0: distributor, and so you just kind of push it out
4: yes. from here. What we do is we buy locally um, from the Outer Banks of North Carolina, Virginia Beach, Virginia, all the way up the Eastern Shore of Virginia, and Ocean City, Maryland. So from Ocean City to Hatteras is within a, a less than you know, 200 miles of each other. and um, we concentrate on those products and it's very seasonable this part of uh, this part of the uh, east coast we have a all four seasons where florida pretty much has one and Mm -hmm. up north might have two but um so we uh we have our own fish cutters we break down our own fish we have live lobster tanks so we store up to two thousand pounds of live lobster right now you're
0: you're still not a giant company no we're still still a a small business small business we're still a small business
4: um we ship nationwide but um, our Sam Rust trucks deliver from the mountains of Virginia down to uh, Hatteras Village in Carolina and in between. Um,
0: so and, and now your kids are, are coming into the business? Yes. Will that uh, be the fourth generation? Or yes. the third?
4: My brother and I both have sons involved in their mid early twenties and um, they're fourth generation involved with the company.
0: That's really cool. And your like personal philosophy on seafood? Do you have like this? When you go out, what is your philosophy? When it, is you're you're just you're just Bruce going to a restaurant somewhere? Let's say you're not even in your region, right? Okay. So let's say you come up to like Boston. Okay. And you go to a seafood restaurant. How do you decide what to order?
4: Well, I will try to purchase an indigenous fare.
0: Yeah. And what would you say the In Boston. In Boston. Twenty-two year old kid doesn't know stuff. They're just trying to go to college, they, they get you, and you say, okay.
4: In Boston, I would order scallops and lobster.
0: You just know. Yeah.
4: And maybe some clam bellies.
0: Yeah, smart, right? And you for know. breakfast,
4: I'd have lobster rolls and a yeah. Sam Adams.
0: Yeah. Lobster rolls confuse me. I'm, I, I've never had one. Because the idea of taking lobster and like, putting it in mayonnaise and sticking it on a hot dog bun blows my mind out. Like, I just... Doesn't occur to me to do that. Like, it seems like a nightmare.
4: Don't forget the hot butter.
0: The hot butter. Yeah. Well, hot butter is always good. Yeah. So, And what's the strangest fish you ever
4: ate? Strangest fish I've ever eaten. I gotta think about that. All
0: right, you don't have to. Maybe, maybe to you they're not strange.
4: Maybe well, I've eaten a lot food. of strange things. I was yeah. trying to think of the most strange.
2: Snakehead, lionfish, any of those I've,
4: had, I've had lionfish in the Bahamas oh, that was spearfished that day, and I'll tell you what, it's very good. And I actually have a request for an um, invasive species dinner that's coming up in August through Mike Hut at the— uh, no, excuse me, it's Todd Jansky from the Virginia Green Travel and the VCU Rice Rivers. They're doing an invasive species dinner in August. And I'm sourcing snakehead out of Maryland. I'm sourcing lionfish out of Florida and blue catfish from Virginia for him. Fabulous. We would love to do something like that. Yeah. If I can get you all in touch with him or if you all want to, you know, or we'll do it, do it again. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, snakehead like that. fishing, that's something I want to do, uh, bow fishing in Maryland for Potomac in Virginia.
0: Yeah, we tried snakehead. I thought it
4: was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it have good. It I've had, far I've far had snakehead and lionfish.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and we're selling about a thousand pounds of blue cat a day. A thousand a day. We, we are a thousand pounds a day. That's tremendous. It's really caught on. Um, farm it's raised. Great. It tastes good. Yeah, farm raised catfish. We were using a Carolina supplier, and that was the big thing, um, and it's faded, and the wild blue cats.
3: I'm good. You're good. All right. No, all, right. all, right. all together. All together?
4: Cool. You can't do that. Yeah, I got you. Good. Yeah. Got, got, <laughs> you. got him on record. By the way.
0: <laughs> got him on record. Actually, um, they are
4: doing
0: the blue cats.
4: Blue cats, And you yeah.
0: say they're they're outselling farm-raised yes, the farm cats. Yes, the farm-raised
4: cat has dwindled. Um,
0: a lot like of it... There's other the concepts
4: of wild well, fish. Well, there's, there's two drivers of that. First of all, the wild blue cat is much more attractive in price. And the second thing is people are looking to eat a sustainable fish, not a farm-raised fish.
0: Yeah, so we got just changing the people's market Well, that has been
4: a big thing, because five years ago, it was 90% farm cat, whether it came from Mississippi or North Carolina. Okay. Now, it's 90% wild-caught cat, and my ladies are, my fish cutters are upset because they're cutting a whole lot of whole catfish.
0: Uh, and, and catfish can be funky to cut sometimes, so, so yeah.
4: Yeah. Sometimes we'll get them uh, iced in cartons, they're still alive. These well, catfish are hard to die. Most catfish
0: are, you can wrap a catfish in a towel, and put it yes. in the refrigerator for a week, and let it go we're well, that and be fine. And when I was
4: uh, about 14 years old, yeah. I used to fill a sink with tap water yeah. and throw a catfish in the tap water. They'd been on ice for three days, and about half an hour later, he's swimming around having fun.
0: That's
4: catfish. Then he got to watch his buddies get skinned.
0: Yeah, it's always like I was like I always torment my food before I eat it too.
4: Yeah, but <laughs> well, we're tenderizing them. Yeah.
2: Right. What's the average size of a blue catfish?
4: We try for four four to five pound, four to six pound fish to give people a nice fillet that is workable. Um, there's blue cats that are really too big for some folks and there's catfish, um, we call them dress cats, that are head off and gutted and they're um, you know under a pound that's really too small for a fillet. So um, we try for four to six pound fish, it's right in the middle and um, the customers like that size. Six to ten ounce fillets, boneless and skinless, is what we're striving for. Nice.
0: But if you're eating your own catfish, those little one pounders are delicious. Yes. I mean, it's so good. Yes. So. But
4: in a restaurant situation where you have to have the wow factor on the plate, you want people to feel like they're getting portions right. for what they're paying and for. And a
0: baked whole catfish that's a one pounder is not attractive.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have multiple pieces of fillet on the plate. Exactly.
3: Are the restaurants serving it as food at, or are they giving up? Most of a them. It depends on the restaurant.
4: You'll see a generic name, was this is catfish. And then, you know, if it were my restaurant, I would totally call what it is it's Virginia a, it's, Blue know, Cat.
0: I think it's a marketing opportunity.
4: Oh, know. yes, definitely.
0: People love the word wild.
4: Yes, they do. They love
0: wild cot.
4: Yes. But to, then,
0: to to a lot of people, the word wild caught is the same as the word sustainable. They don't see a difference. And it's a so it's a good thing.
3: Thank
2: you.
0: Very happy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Perfect.
2: Final
0: thoughts?
4: Final thoughts. Yep. I appreciate what you're doing in education. And um, the more we can expose these things to the public and the better it's going to be for the local markets, whether on the East Coast or the West.
0: This recording, your name, where you're from, and what does sustainable seafood mean? My name is
2: Riley and I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia.
0: And, um, Sustainable seafood. Each separately. Sustainable seafood. Seafood you can do, what seafood?
2: Like, a variety
4: of seafood.
0: All right, so you can tell me your names, where you're from, and what does sustainable seafood mean to you? And you can answer separately. You don't have to agree. OK? So go ahead. Seafood. So your name, where you're from. Okay. And what does sustainable seafood mean to you?
2: Uh, I'm Jeremy. I'm from Maryland.
0: Uh, sustainable seafood—that's a pretty uh, big one. <laughs> it is a big one. Um, Tom's Tom's helping you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but when I think of it, the first thing that comes to mind is oysters, and because I, I would think that oysters is the most sustainable. Um, why do you? Um, why Why would you say that? Well, With aquaculture, I okay. would say harvesting oysters is sustainable fishing but uh, aquaculture and oysters is the most sustainable way to eat fish in, in my mind is because you know you know, put them in the water and then you don't have to feed them or anything they feed themselves they grow themselves and
1: that's when I think sustainable fisheries that's the first thing I, I think of
0: super good answer <laughs> <laughs> can't argue with that the best answer I got so far is don't eat fish
1: yeah, <laughs> <gonna say. Yeah. laughs>
0: so what is your name
3: my name is Danielle I'm from Maryland
0: hey.
1: and um, I think Fishing, I guess it's not really something that can be like kept up over the years, but like eating the invasive fish is a good way to um, kind of deal with um, overpopulation of certain fishery, um, fisheries and it, it helps to increase the other fisheries if those aren't out competing the other fishes that are native to the.
0: Who's next? Who wants to come spin the wheel? Hey, there's enough prizes for everybody to be honest, you guys. If, every single. Well,
3: no, I have this, okay. Right. Oh, <laughs> you so can I just guess better. it doesn't okay, matter all right at least gonna come up all right this
0: is eel oh <laughs> she loves this go ahead give it a spin fishy oh, fishy beers
3: because I'm, I'm, i I love this topic so I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna you don't mind if I move that, dude? All right. Um I don't care. I'm in charge anyway. Um all right, so same game. Uh, Dancing Trout or Brookie Brown?
3: Dancing
0: Trout. Good, nice job. How about
3: <laughs>
0: how about Mako Malt or Long Fin Lager?
3: Long
2: fin
0: Lager. Wow. So you totally win. I'm gonna give you a third choice anyway, because it's fun. Okay. And this is my favorite one. I wrote this one. I'm really happy with this. Um, Wall IPA. So Wall IPA. Wal or ale wife, long while while IPA or ale wife. Aren't those great? Well, he's right, you got them all. Yeah. yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> ale wife should be a beer because it is perfect. So nice job, good job. We've just burned out that category. Just. Who's Karen? You want to come? Sure. Come on down, come on down and play. Eel of Fortune.
3: <laughs> okay, muppets. Well, because
0: earlier, before you guys arrived, she was—we were drilling back and forth on the collection of the creatures questions, and so I gave them all away. So, you ready? Yes. All right. Thin fish, oh boy, bird, or husky jerk? Which one's a muppet? Thin fish, oh boy, bird, or husky jerk? Oh boy, bird. Oh boy, bird is a muppet
3: know that one. Though, you but
0: pretend you know it. Say it common
3: Everyone knows <laughs> it. Okay. How
0: about uh, bay rat, inchworm or Renoski? Renoski. No, it's inchworm. <laughs> Remember Oscar's pet? You knew this? You're like you're like Karen's stupid. You should not have said that. I can't believe Veronica. That was terrible. Like you know, she's kind of, like, in charge around here. She <laughs> not sure she's not.
3: She's in charge at all.
0: You should play trivia with her. All right, um, how about, uh, <laughs> how about uh, Smithwick, Deadly Dick, or Uncle Deadly? Smithwick. Deadly Dick or Uncle Deadly? No, I'm sorry. It was Uncle Deadly. You know
3: who it is? Muppets?
0: Yeah. He's got a big long kind of beauty thing going on. Deadly just sounds like a really
3: scary name. Oh, that's
0: okay. I'm going to still give you a sticker. All right. So the next day, I got to speak with a large group of staff and volunteers for a Lunch and Learn event. Uh, last week's episode of the Fish Nerds podcast, I played that entire speech for you so you can go back and listen to me. Talk all about me for an hour. You're welcome. Uh, Enjoy that, Uh, but I'm not going to make you listen to it again. Uh, And then, and then things got really cool. Uh, We had dinner at Loggerheads, which is this really great restaurant right at the waterfront, with Trish and her son Yates. Now Yates is going to be hiking the AT. This summer, and he's going to come hang out here in New Hampshire with me when he gets really tired once he finishes the 100-mile wood in Maine. Um, by the way, that night I ordered the spider burger thinking it would give me super spidey powers, but it was a burger with a fried soft-shell blue crab on it, which is totally sustainable. Uh, and I highly recommend it. If you like blue crab, That's been uh, that's all <laughs> creepy-looking and good. Uh, the next morning, Thursday, I had the morning to myself. So I took a uh, Uber, my first Uber ride down to the Virginia Beach fishing pier. Um and I uh, had a couple hours to fish. So I did it. I went out there with my collapsible fishing rod and I got some sea worms for bait and I fished for a long time and caught one like six-inch ocean perch, met some super cool people, uh, and then I had to get myself to the sensible seafood. Uh, program, which was a a big day, um, but while I was waiting for that um, to get going, I got to hang out in the aquarium some more. Uh, Matt, the PR guy, uh, who he uh, took me on a on a behind the scenes tour, but then he handed me off to Mary and Julie, and now Mary and Julie take care of the spotted rays. And this is the really coolest thing I've ever seen. If you are ever been curious, like in those giant tanks of rays and sharks and stuff at the aquariums, how the fish don't eat each other. Because I never made sense to me. I'm like, why don't the fish just eat each other? It's because they feed them so well. And the way how they do it is they feed most of the fish individually. They've trained the fish to come to, to paddles. They have these like sticks with a circle on the end with different patterns, like purple with white stripes or pink and yellow polka dots or whatever it happens to be. They train each fish to come to its own paddle. So when they put these paddles in the water, the spotted rays, for example, come up and they can put the food directly into the fish's mouth and keep track of what they're eating. Uh, and this is not just spotted rays. They did this with lots of fish uh you know and and turtles as well, but the coolest fish, my favorite was they had this really big puffer fish, and they they have this really long pair of tweezers, and they hand feed it with that, and they have a paddle for that little fish He comes up and bloop, pops the food right in his mouth. The reason they do that is if they just tossed handfuls of food in the in the tank, the fish would just consume it like crazy, the fast, aggressive ones, and the slower fish, like the puffer fish, would never get any food at all, so these guys they figured it all out. And and it's pretty spectacular how they how they work it all out. Um, I really enjoyed watching watching all of that. I I also got to hang out with Evan. Evan is a diver and works for the aquarium, and he took me on an additional tour. He showed me how he grows, um, how he's growing. Three, two. Evan took me on a secret tour of the aquarium as well. I got to get close to and see an octopus, and Evan doing all kinds of work growing coral. And it's just really, really fun stuff um, that they've got going on there. I mean, this guy knew his stuff. Other thing, Evan gave me some shark teeth, and I'm really hoping he comes up north next winter and comes fishing with me, because he really seemed excited about talking about fish and fishing. But man, I really like hanging out with people who are smarter than me, which which by the way, it's all the time, uh, but at the aquarium, these nerds are so nerdy really cool. Later that day, I got to go uh, hang out with Ryan. Ryan uh, is one of the educators there. And I got to feed, by myself, I got to feed the cow nose rays. This is a public uh, feeding. The cow nose rays have, have this tank out in the middle. And they feed him throughout the day, all kinds of chopped up squid and fishes and stuff. Uh, and of course, I'm trying to film it and take photos. And I'm clumsy. I'm tossing fish everywhere. I'm missing the water. The rays don't care. And I'm splashing guests. I'm dropping the food everywhere. I'm having a great time i uh, i i'm just i I'm, I'm just thrilled to have been part of the entire week there at the uh, virginia aquarium uh and If this sounds like a big infomercial for the aquarium, it probably is. You should totally go there <laughs> take it for what it is. It's just great, great fun. Okay, and as the day wore on, everybody got busier and busier and busier. Restaurants started coming into the aquarium and set their booths up. The Sen- Sensible Seafood Festival was in the aquarium itself. Um, so you have 22 restaurants coming in, setting up little booths all over the aquarium. So somewhere in front of like shark tanks and somewhere in front of the, the cow nose rays or whatever happened to be. It just all over the place. And the food starts coming in. It starts smelling really good. People are buzzing around me like crazy. I'm totally in the way. And then we get I get to go to a private function. There's this private function for donors and um, lots of really cool people. And uh, I, I met some great folks there. Did a lot of chatting. Drank a little bit too much wine. Uh, and then they say, Clay, can I borrow you for a second? And I had to speak for a few minutes there about Sensible Seafood and the Sustainable Seafood Program at the Aquarium. Uh, which was really fun. I, I like standing behind a lectern uh, and talking, so it was really great fun for me. But then, the important job of judging the uh, the seafood festival. Now, really important, there were uh, 22, I think, restaurants at this. I'm not going to read all their names here, but if you go to fishners.com, I will put a link to every single one of them, on the website, uh, and I was the judge of this, which is a lot of pressure. So I sat down with the Sensible Seafood Squad and came up with some criteria that I was looking for, and here it was. One, is it sustainable? Um, and that's, and I define that as, uh, is it local? Is it in season? Is it plentiful? And is it harvested uh, well? Like, you know, if it's dredged up or something terrible, um, we wouldn't count it. Uh, two, is it yummy? Did it taste good. It doesn't make any, doesn't do any good to have sensible or sustainable food if it doesn't taste good. No one's going to eat it. Uh, and then finally, how much waste is involved with serving it? Uh, is it served on a napkin, a paper plate? Uh, is there nothing? Um, I gave advantage to businesses doing zero waste. Uh, and I was prepared to give out super bonus points for anyone serving invasive species. So again, go to fishnurse.com for the complete list. Um, I ate. Ate so much food that night. Uh, just just a few examples uh, of of things I had. I had smoked bluefish pate, which was fabulous. I had uh, some kind of a uh, curry with tilapia, which was really really good. Um, there's some question for me about tilapia. Um, but it was tasty. Uh, I ate all kinds of cobia, lots of blue crab. I had so many little crab cakes. I had she crab soup for the first time and you know, I thought I didn't like she crab soup. I love she crab soup. Our friends from uh, Whole Foods were there, and they had this really great chowder. It wasn't New England, and it wasn't Manhattan, but it was yummy. Uh, my, kind of the, my funniest one there, there was a restaurant there serving pulled pork. And I said to them, so why are you at the Sensible Seafood Festival and their argument to me, which was a fair one, is the most sensible seafood to eat is no seafood. So how do you argue with that? It's perfectly logical and smart, but totally great um, time. And uh, I, you know, I had I had so many oysters, raw oysters, um, sandwiches. I mean, I mean, the fish was all over the place. Um, so good. Uh, and at the other night, I had to choose a winner, uh, and. And the winner actually was in house. I chose uh Sodexo at the Virginia aquarium. Uh, and the reason I chose them uh, is I narrowed it down to about four different restaurants in the end. but this one, what they were serving were these little waffle ice cream cone looking things. They're maybe about two inches long. And they had this kind of like really delicious sweet red sauce on the bottom. And then they took uh, blue crab and fried it in these little balls, like ice cream cones, served. So there was no waste served with this dish. And it tasted delicious. It looked great. And and that's that's why I chose it. Um, but, man, they were, they were so good. Everything was so good. And I can't tell you how much fun I had there. Uh, I got back to my hotel that night around 11. I was exhausted. I passed out and I still had more stuff to do the next day. So the next day I got picked up in the morning by, by Leslie again and driven to the super secret aquarium. Now, a lot of people don't know this and I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but no one said don't. But most aquariums have a super secret backup aquarium this is where a lot of real science happens turtle rescues uh collections happen quarantines happen this is where they keep all the fishes safe uh and make sure they can bring them into the aquarium without 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 wrecking anything um and so i got a little tour of that place and i bumped into jeff rachel and alex who were going to go out collecting for the aquarium uh, and And I got to go with them. So we got out in a little, it's like a 22 or 23 foot center console boat. And we headed out and we spent, you know, three hours on the water collecting fish for the aquarium. Uh, We were after uh, whiting and ocean perch and winter, uh, sorry, summer flounder. Uh, And we caught a few of those things, lots of blue crab, and I caught a... uh, a, a nice rockfish which is a uh a striped bass um we had a really really good time they took me back uh leslie picked me up and then i was out of there they drove me to the airport and sent me on my way uh in all, really really great week at the sensible seafood program at the virginia aquarium marine science center i can't thank everyone enough for having me there uh if i haven't said already lynn lynn clements uh is the executive director of the aquarium, and of course, she's the one who approves the whole thing. And I thank her for having me down. Um, but really, I, I really want to stress to you: big thanks to uh, to Karen and Leslie from the Sensible Seafood Squad. Um, we had quick lunch before we left, um, and so here's here's a little bit interview I did with them. All right, claygrovesfishnerds I'm at Waterman's. This is Waterman's, right? Waterman's Surfside Grill and I'm eating some sensible seafood because they're part of the sensible seafood program with the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center and I'm hanging out with Leslie Clements who is the are you the boss?
3: Hello Hi. Uh, I'm Leslie Clements and I work for the sensible seafood program at the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center.
0: Now give us the pitch tell us the sensible seafood program why do I care about sensible seafood?
3: So our mission is to promote seafood that makes sense for a healthy marine environment. But when we talk about that, it can include fishers, uh, it can include watermen, the fish themselves, and the people eating the fish. So we want everybody to win. So when you support a healthy marine environment, that ecology includes everyone, and everyone's gotta win. So fish populations survive into the future, fishers survive now and in the future, and people get to eat yummy seafood now and in the future.
0: And it is yummy, right? So tell me, uh, if you were to define, I asked a lot of people this last week, what does um, sustainable seafood mean? Uh, now you're the expert. Give us the definition. Tell us what sensible or sen- or sustainable seafood means.
3: Well, the long answer is that fish populations, um, especially looking at seafood, fish populations that can survive into the future without har- harming the current environment. Uh, to shorten that, sensible seafood is fish that's uh, seafood that's fished or farmed in environmentally friendly ways.
0: Can you give us some example of, like, you two fish that are very similar, that one is sensible or sustainable, and then one maybe you should steer away from? Do you have any, like, fish that have, like, they're similar names, but maybe one's very different than the other?
3: Well, for so, for example, people love salmon. Salmon is the second most popular uh, seafood in the U.S. Number, uh, yeah, number two. So salmon's number two, and uh, people love it. And it's good for you. It's got a lot of omega-3s. But... Um, it's not necessarily, everybody can't eat all the salmon all the time. So if you're looking for an alternative that's a best sustainable choice, try Arctic char. Farmed Arctic char is one of the best choices, especially for us. Virginia is the third lar- largest producer of seafood in the country, so it's big business here. And when you're looking at uh, sustainable seafood, we want you to buy local when you can. That's like number one look at the guide that we put out. We have a guide on VirginiaAquarium.com that you can check out what's the best choice, good alternatives, or things to avoid. Um, and those are published for our, our guests, that uh, folks that are listening that are international or maybe in, um, all over the U.S., Monterey Bay Seafood Watch actually produces a guide. You can actually go online, check out what the best choices are for your area. Now, ours is available at virginiaquarium.com, but um, you can also ask us or ask your local aquarium to help you out. Um, And then also try something new, so that salmon versus arctic char comparison. So buy local when you can, but if you're looking for a better replacement for something that's a familiar favorite, try something you've never tried before.
0: That's perfect. Also, I wanted to say, Karen Burns is next to me. Hi, Karen. Hello. So, so Karen, uh, you're the boss, right?
3: I, I am the boss. I'm the project manager. <laughs> and
0: Karen was on the podcast last year. We did a whole episode on sensible seafood. And actually, right now, I just want to thank you for having me down because uh, for, for a small-time podcast like me who loves fish and fishing and is totally nerdy, this is I'm touched to have beef So thank you so much for having me.
3: You're welcome, and I think just having you here really... Made a big impact having a local guy just here talking to our big donors last night, our PNC sponsors, was really impactful for them because you just talk from your heart. It's just something you love It something you love and something you believe in. So thank you for making the trek down to Virginia Beach. And today you've got a beautiful, sunny day.
0: And I caught fish today. And you caught so, fish yeah. today. <laughs> so it's a good day. <laughs> totally great. Well, thank you guys so much. You're welcome. Eel of Fortune! Wow! Yeah. How did that happen? It was like, it was like you are some kind of special. That's amazing. We collection of to creatures.
3: To
0: I'm going to tell <laughs> you, I'm going to read you the name of a grouping of animals. Okay. Like, for example, murder of crows. Uh, so I'll say murder, you say crows. Or I'll say crows, you say murder. Okay. And you just match them up. You ready? All right. It, it does. It Only does. One. How about a bloat? A bloat. This is an, uh, a mammal that spends most of the time in the water. A bloat. Yeah. And it's a. This is a. This is a mammal that spends most of the time in the water. A hippo is a bloat. Yeah. How did, That's remarkable. How did you know that? She got hippo, Karen. Can you believe it? She just guessed. That would
3: make sense.
0: It's a miracle. A miracle. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna drink to that one. Oh my God. All
3: right.
0: How about a? How about a? How about a shiver? A shiver. And this. And I'll about giving hint. This is a fish I talked about in my presentation tonight, and it's big. I can't even wait. Oh, I Oh, perfect! How dare you? <laughs> How dare you come in late?
3: <laughs> not a sea lamp. No, no, right. I'm not, I'm not. no you chose I'm the like wrong person. person. <laughs> I was, but you know, it's not an alewife, is it?
0: No, no, no. Wrong.
3: Actually, actually,
0: actually, uh, alewife would be an army. It would be an army. <laughs> army, yeah. It's a shark, yes. Yeah. How did you do it? All right, this is one... <laughs> I, I'm gonna give you one they didn't they didn't hear ahead of time because they they quizzed me earlier. How about um, what do you call a group of turtles? You know this one? Oh, get out! She's not even trying anymore. She just told you. What is it? A bale. A bale of turtles. But hey, you got two out of three right. You got two out of three. Celia, give it a spin. Eel of Fortune. Fortune. Fortune! Sensible Choices, this is written by the Sensible Seafood Squad. Name a species on the yellow good alternative list. What species of food is a species? Uh, what, name a species on the, on the yellow good alternative list. What's a good species of fish to eat?
2: Catfish.
0: I guess it's a crab question, isn't it? <laughs> How about name a crab that's on the good list to eat? Blue crab. Yes, all right, good, Yay! yes.
3: You made me win. Uh,
0: yeah, because you're my favorite, that's why. All right, good job. Why did you take a
3: price?
0: Eel of Fortune. Fortune. <laughs> I love you. All right. Now, for those who, for those who don't know, he volunteers in the Sensible Seafood Program. He talks to people every day. We, we worked together yesterday. Yeah,
2: we had a great
0: time. We had a great time. All right. You be able to get that. How many million metric tons of seafood are thrown annually overboard as unwanted bycatch? Uh, 40 tons. No, it was 27. Oh, get out! Wow.
4: Give me another one. Is it really another uh, uh, one? I'm going to give you another one. There you
0: go. I know. Well, you should have given multiple choice on these at yeah, least. I should have, awesome. said, should have said 26, 27, or 28. I right, um, or should have asked you in standard no, I measure. Should have said how many how many standard pounds. Right, uh Actually, Ashley.
3: Right.
0: We only have till seven. Come on, eel of fortune. Yeah. Well, we can just. Uh, oh, look at you laying on fishy oh. beers. <laughs> All right. Whoa. Uh Uh-oh. Got it. I got it. I got it. I I did my homework here. All right. These are choice. I'm going to give you two choices. One is a beer I invented, and one is a real beer. You tell me which one's the real beer. They're all fish-related. There are thousands of beers named after fish turns out. So this is the easy one. we start easy. Uh, Snapper Jack IPA or Red Snapper Ale? Which one is a beer? It's a coin toss.
3: Snapper
0: Jack. Uh, no, that's wrong. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's Red Snapper Ale. Because Red Ale. Because Red Ale, right? You, you're a beer nerd. I uh, am. How about um, this one you'll know? Uh, Panfish Porter or Dogfish Ale?
3: Dogfish.
0: Right. Uh, Delaware. Good. How about Bullhead, blonde, or cutthroat, pale? Cutthroat. Cutthroat. You're cheating on me. I can't believe it. Congratulations. Nice job. And you get a prize there. Good job. Thank you. You get one for being my favorite wine pourer. Um, or you want to spin the wheel? No? Who's next? Do it. Come on. All right. We're going to yell for you. Are you ready? Eel of... Oh! Fortune. The best spin ever. Sensible choices. This is a question written not by me, but by the Sensible Seafood Squad. I have no idea what this is. Okay, so don't hate me if I get it wrong. All right. True or false? It's easy. Just it. uh, Fishermen provide some of the safest and most environmentally friendly seafood in the world. True, because who else is going to give you seafood? <laughs> like it makes, uh, U.S. fisheries is one of the best managed fisheries in the world of seafood.
3: I was going to say
0: U.S. Right. Yeah. Oh, U.S. Is that what I didn't say today? Did no. No. I'm the worst. So you get you get a prize, free subscription to the podcast. Right. Oh, and a book, and something, but pick something. The journal, good choice. Who's who's next? <laughs> Someone. Someone come on up. What is what is your name again? Ashton. Ashton? Yes, Ashton. All right. Eel of fortune. I'm sorry, I just do it. Welcome. All right, another question written by the sensible sea C- food squad. Did you write this? No, okay.
3: That would be cheating,
0: right? All right. This is what your <laughs> All right. if you get this wrong, you need to apply for a new job, okay? All right, what percentage of the seafood eaten in the U.S. is farmed?
3: Mm. That's a hard one. Seventy.
0: I'm sorry. You're terrible at this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, 20. 20? 10. Is 10. 10? None of you know? You guys, this is your thing. Who wrote these things? I don't Thirty? The... You guys are terrible. It's half. Okay. It's half. Hey, what's okay? I'm gonna because I like you, you're my favorite. You get Alright, who's who's next? Who, <laughs> who's next? What is your name? Taylor. Taylor. Alright, ready Taylor? No, but good. No. eel of fortune! Give me this thing. <laughs> Okay, Paku of Lies. Paku of Lies. This is uh, called the Legendary Nut Cruncher. Our our favorite vegetarian run amok, causing headlines to explode. It seems every six months or so, a Paku is found in a lake or river and freaks people out with its human-like teeth, piranha-like good looks, and notoriously tends to bite testicles. Uh, this time it was California anglers who caught one in pond in Petaluma, California, about 40 miles north of San Francisco. So, do Paku eat nuts? True or false? Is it a, true or is it a pacu of lies? Do they eat nuts, which is testicles? If in case you think I'm talking dirty, I am. Um, what is it? <laughs> it is a lie. That's where the title, by the way. This story appears on Huffington Post every six months on the dot. Oh, really? And we've reported on this every single time it happens. We call it a pack lies. Snopes.com stole my title. I wrote that. They used it. I emailed them and said, I need citation, please. They would not respond to my emails. We emailed the author. No it. response. And, I own, and pack who lies, I wrote. That's my words. And, and Snopes, who I re- I love Snopes. But, yeah, nice job. That is a Paku of lies. Um, by the way, also Jeremy Wade did a story on this and did not admit that it was a lie. Um, and the whole thing came initially from a Swedish biologist who was making a joke and it caught on. There was a warning of Sweden, do not swim naked uh, because of the Paku. Those of us who are never nudes don't have that problem anyway, so we don't worry about it. <laughs> so that's it you've listened to a ton of fish nerds when you should have been fishing of course i'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast go on fishing quests go on fishing trips and do all sorts of silly things that nerds do if you would like to support the fish nerds and we do need your support head to patreon.com slash fish nerds and donate one dollar an episode four dollars a month would go a long way to sustaining this podcast Special thanks to the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center, and of course my family for letting me go down there. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds: spawn early and often, avoid free lunches with springs, strings attached, and swim against the current every chance you get, and eat sustainable.